Let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep knowing that you're only just scratching the surface of where you're capable of taking your business growth? Are you successful but have some invisible hurdles that are slowing you down? Business growth comes from creating and implementing strategies and frameworks, but strategies and frameworks on their own will not take you to the level I know you desire and are capable of. Living in alignment with your unique human design will help you to attract the abundance you are ready for. And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. You want to make sure that it fits into the scheme of your business as a whole. What's the strategy? What comes after this? Where are you leading people to? You know, you want it to lead to something else, not just be a standalone product, which as you get down into the the build and launch phase is going to be really difficult. Like let's take away the fact that you're not going to even get any extra sales from off the back end of it. But, you know, where does it fit? It's going to be really, really difficult to market it if it's not in alignment with the audience that you already have. Thought Leaders Business Lab is for you, the business owner, entrepreneur, the expert in your field who wants to be seen and heard as the influential thought leader in your industry. My name is Samantha Riley and I've been building and growing businesses for over 26 years and I've learned there are three key areas to your success, your mindset, your talents and the people you surround yourself with. Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they've used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, joined by my Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde. How are you going, Tim? I am exhausted, Sam. Isn't that interesting that we've both come on the call today and we're both absolutely shattered. Yeah. <laughs> I've been feeling like this for since the end of last week, actually. You reckon it's catching up now? It's definitely catching up. Okay. So let's, let's, before we get into today's topic, which we're going to talk about, you know, designing and launching your online course, which we're actually doing right now, the yes. knowledge business launch format formula, which for us starts next week yes. Um, and we've been doing some webinars and stuff and we're going to share with that with you in a moment, but let's talk about zoom fatigue. Absolutely. Because we, we've both been catching up daily as we always do and saying how tired we were. And then yesterday I read a really interesting article about zoom fatigue, which I'd been talking about for a while, but I had no stats or understanding why I was feeling so tired on zoom. And it was talking about the fact that when we communicate, only 7% of our communication that, uh, that is being heard by other people is by the words we use. And that 93% of our communication comes from our tonality and our body language. And when we're delivering on Zoom, we're not getting that. So our brain is constantly working in overdrive, trying to understand the tonality. And on Zoom, a lot of times, 
someone's muted, so you're not getting a tonality at all. And we're really only seeing little bobbing heads. We're not seeing the, the body language, um, I guess, at large, you know, seeing what people or how people are experiencing our words. So that is why we're all so tired or one of the reasons. I mean, there's many reasons, but I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. I think you made another interesting point just before we came on here as well is that we are spending so much more of our time in front of a screen. And we, we both commented about how sore our eyes are getting mm-hmm. and how difficult it is we're both finding to, to read, you know, text messages on the phone or, or stuff that's coming up on the screen. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, am I just getting old? Well, I, was, you know? I would say to Leon on the weekend, I feel like all of a sudden I'm 80 years old. All the time I'm saying, what, what does this say? Can you, t- can you know, read right? what these instructions are? <laughs> I cannot like, read, read them. This. I feel like I'm my grandmother. I'm actually having to hold my far, my phone at arm's length to be able to read it. Oh, I no, no, no. That's it. The size Your arms just got shorter. That's all that, that was. <laughs> no, they're actually quite long. <laughs> your, your arms are shorter. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's a thing. And I think it is, I think, you know, other than Zoom fatigue and, and not being able to, you know, get, I guess, the full uh, spectrum of, of communication that is coming across. Right? So, you know, we're seeing people from sort of shoulders up and, and not sort of be able to see their body language and all that sort of stuff that we would normally kind of absorb but not pay attention to, right? So we're reading a lot more on screen. We're having to listen a lot more. But I think the other thing is that in a normal day for for us, we're also getting up and moving about a bit more, right? Mm. So, you know, the number of appointments that we're having in a day um, is normally fewer than we are right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I look at yesterday... When I woke up in the morning, I had 15 meetings scheduled. Mm-hmm. Ironically, on a public holiday in Canberra, but you know there were 15 meetings scheduled, and they're literally back to back to back to back to back. Mm. As we record this episode, I've already been through five meetings this morning. You know, mm. again, back to back to back to back, mm-hmm. and I'm not having that opportunity to sort of get up, get in the car, change my focal vision because I'm now driving a car from one meeting to the next. You know, being able to sort of look and 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 sort of absorb different things, mm-hmm. it's always the same distance. It's always this kind of you're you know you're in a little box at arm's reach. Yeah, well, even me. for me, I'm doing my my yoga on a screen, and it wasn't even until yesterday that I went, oh my goodness, I'm still looking at a screen even when I'm training. And I had that even though I'd been saying that, it hadn't quite sunk in that I am still looking at a screen that's not far away from me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like last night, I caught up with some friends. Social distancing, of course. I was just about to say, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, I caught up with some friends for a, for a couple of drinks at, at their place. And that, I think that was the first time or the second time I'd seen someone other than my mum who dropped around the other day in three weeks, four weeks, potentially, other than mm-hmm. my immediate family. Mm-hmm. Right? I hadn't seen anyone else you know, outside of a computer screen in, in four weeks. Yep. And yep. so all of those... You know, all of those exercises, I guess, we do with our eyes to, to change the distance, you know, that we're viewing things at, not doing as much of. So if you're feeling you've got sore eyes, you're not alone. No, no. Join, join the club. And um, something that you and I talked about just a little minute ago, I'm going to definitely be moving my calendar a little bit. Mm. I'm just going to go to IPSM and get some glasses. <laughs> Specsavers or somebody, I don't know, whoever's, whoever's nearby. If you want to connect with me, Tim Hyde, head over to winmoreclients.com.au forward slash connect. Or if you'd like to connect with Samantha Riley, you can find her at samantharileyglobal forward slash connect.
Now, of course, today we're going to talk more about launching an online course, which we're going through as a little joint venture together, and it's working yes, really well. It is. Well, actually, we, we haven't, I guess, learned a lot. What is awesome is the feedback that we're getting is actually really confirming what you and I have been talking about for a couple of years now. So it's been really, really good to get that in-person confirmation that what we've been teaching for a couple of years is absolutely spot on. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk today a little bit about a sort of four-step process. Um, we're taking a bunch of our students through um, starting the 4th of May through our Knowledge Business Launch Formula, which we've been promoting uh, over, over the last couple of weeks. And, and these, these four steps are really, really how to sort of design, build and launch a, a, uh, an online course mm -hmm. um, in 30 days or less. Now, not to say that 30 days or less is an easily achievable thing. Mm -hmm. right? It is a, a quite intensive to do so, but it is certainly possible. And if you're Absolutely. looking to realign your business right now, if you're looking to pivot and potentially dealing your services in a slightly different way, and you're looking at online, I think this is um, you know, something that you need to pay attention to. As a caveat, however, and, and this is a conversation that I know, Sam, you are having a lot with your clients and I'm having increasingly with mine, is about, oh my God, we have to go online because of COVID. Now, I want to call bullshit on that. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to go online and you should be going online because that's where your customers are. Absolutely. And they have been there for several years. Well, I was just about to say that the, the four steps that we're going to talk through today, I have been using since the first time I successfully launched a course online back in 2013. So I've been using these four steps since 2013 uh, and I've used these four steps multiple times since then. Uh, and the first time I did it, the, the very first online course that I pulled together again, just like we've been doing recently, has been in much less than 30 days. So we say 30 days or less, but what I've personally discovered myself is the faster that you roll these four uh, steps out, that actually I believe the more success you get because you're really listening to that feedback and what's the word applying, I guess, what you're hearing from the marketplace very, very quickly, rather than getting caught in your own head and creating something that you think people might want. So by being able to move very quickly, you're listening to the market and creating something that they want. And I think that is the key to the way that we believe you should be launching your online course. And it's definitely the way that we launch ours. Yeah, I reckon that's key, Sam. You're actually listening to your market. Mm -hmm. I, I know there's a lot of people who kind of build stuff and I would recommend everyone kind of look for sort of the lean startup. I think it's a book. I can't recall the author's name um, off the top of my head, but look for a book called the lean startup and talk about taking, getting minimum viable product. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. go to market with no resources mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? with a new program or new product or new business, but it does mean about sort of testing and measuring product to market. All right. So, you know, we've been talking about sort of run a webinar and if no one jumps onto webinar, well, it means the title's wrong. If yes. no one stays on a webinar, it means the content is wrong. Don't go and deliver or design a, you know, six-month online course and go and shoot all the recordings and the videos and everything else as well before you've validated your idea to see whether there's actually some response for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've actually seen people put courses out just by title and sort of key deliverables, right? And just say, if this is the title, these are the five or six, three key deliverables. Here's a sticker price you know, buy ad and advertise it mm -hmm. without, mm -hmm. with no intention of ever delivering that thing. Mm 
Mm -hmm. right? So they'd actually see if people buy the course and if enough people go buy the course, they'll go and create it. Mm -hmm. If not enough, buy it. They'll just refund the money and saying, hey guys, sorry, we had to take the course down. Absolutely. Great way to find out whether your ideas actually are sticky. So okay. let's, let's jump into the four steps, Tim. Let's um, start off with the first step, which I discovered that this was a problem many, many years ago. And this is the, the first step I believe most people miss in their online courses. And that is the foundation step. So what do I mean by this? Why are you doing it in the first place? What's the business objective? And I think that too many people completely miss this step and end up going down all sorts of roads that they didn't even know existed. Well, that's what we were just talking about then. You know, if you if you don't know what the purpose of it is, where it fits in your marketing funnel, where it fits in your what you deliver your to your customers. I think with so many people talking about this idea of pivoting, you know, you and I, Sam, we've been talking about a realignment more so than pivot, but it's not just a case of, oh, well, I can't deliver the way I've done before. So I'm just going to create an online course for the sake of creating an online course. Because mm. what you'll find is that you'll invest a huge amount of time and money and infrastructure putting something together that is really only useful for a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that it fits into the scheme of your business as a whole what's the strategy what comes after this where are you leading people to you know you want it to lead to something else not just be a standalone product which as you get down into the the build and launch phase is going to be really difficult like let's take away the fact that you're not going to even get any extra sales from off the back end of it but you know where does it fit it's going to be really, really difficult to market it if it's not in alignment with the audience that you already have. Absolutely. Now, the second part of that is actually unpacking the knowledge that you have that people will actually pay for. And I think yeah. this is one of the, the biggest challenges that I see. And again, I know that you, <laughs> the way you've just rolled your eyes, <laughs> says that this is a conversation you have probably on a, a daily basis, is that we, we tend to kind of try and think that, you know, everything we know people will pay for all of it. And all that means, and we try to sort of throw everything into our into our course and try to teach people to sort of get to where we are. And the reality is that it's just too much. Mm. I actually heard a conversation from one of the clients who is coming on uh, the Knowledge Business Launch Formula Journey with us the other day talking about uh, a guy named Sean D'Souza in New Zealand. And I've followed Sean for you know, a good 22 years now. It's a really very, very smart marketer. And he he's, you know, talks about how, you know, to, to make a lot of Indian recipes from scratch, right? You might have a list of 18, 19 spices that need to go into these different proportions and stuff to make an Indian dish, right? And that represents our knowledge. We can, we can do that. The, mm -hmm. the area of expertise that you have Absolutely. You know exactly how much of all these sort of different ingredients need to go into this sort of spice blend to, that makes up what it is that you do. But then he sort of goes on to say the reality is that there's really only three spices that you need that make up 95% of all the ingredients. Mm, mm. And if you get these three basic spices right, you can make most things. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, let me just break this down to put that, this into um, a way that people will understand there's things that people need and there's things that people want. People will pay for things that they want, 
but not always pay for what they need. So when I first started personal training, I understood and knew that everyone needs to be well and healthy and fit to live a long life. But does everyone want to pay that? No. So I found very quickly that my niche was helping people. I had a lot of women that were about to get married. I trained a lot of people in the police force that were coming up to do certain, I don't know what they call them, like trainings or things that they had to pass to get to the next level because our gym was next to um, a big police station. So I trained a lot of police, the police force who needed to get through to the next level of their training. Uh, and the other thing, I, the other type of people I trained were women that wanted to get pregnant. So these were all people that wanted my services very like in a short period of time rather than all of the people that needed my services so understand what people want right now rather than what everyone needs yeah i think with that also we can get overwhelming if we dumb in the if you right now have a conversation about you know dumbing down with yourself dumb, dumb down what you do right even that is probably too complex for people in some cases you know you need to take it to the next level below that for people to sort of be able to get it. One of the other things that Tyson said as during our conversation was that it's very easy to get overwhelmed. And if people, and this is something I think to think of as you sort of look at building your program and designing your program, is that if you lose people on the first step, and just to come back to a cooking metaphor, because I know a lot of people have sort of looked at a recipe and tried to follow along and then they get to a picture that says, my thing doesn't look like that. <laughs> right? And you've got to remember that the people who are going to go through your program as well are going to be the same. Sometimes they're going to go, if I haven't been able to get that foundation, that first step of this, you know, this knowledge acquisition correct, getting to step two and you're going, well, now we're on step two and now we're on step now three, now we're on step four. By the time you get step four, if they haven't progressed past step one, you just lost them all together. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when we're delivering our online courses and even face-to-face courses, to be honest, um, and, and trying to teach our, our students the, the next steps, if we lose them at the first stage, we're potentially not delivering the outcome that we want to create and therefore not actually having the benefit of that student then come back and kind of build our awareness for us because they're clearly not going to give us a good testimonial mm-hmm, or review mm-hmm. or recommendation if they haven't been able to get the outcome we promised because we lost them and left them somewhere along the way. Absolutely. So that's, so the foundation, that's the foundations. And the second step that we're going to talk about is design. This is designing the program framework. Now, I just shared a case study in that I trained women that were getting married and trained police people. This is where the design actually separates those because the program framework for both of those people are very different. It's, and this is where a lot of people get unstuck. They're like, oh yeah, I can train all of those people, but it's not the same program. So this is where the design piece comes in. What is the exact thing that you need to be delivering to a very, very specific niche? Yeah. I think the other two things that we need to think of in our design, um, firstly, is the conversion event. Now, mm-hmm. we're, in our case, for the Knowledge Business Launch Formula, we're using webinar. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had some pretty good results off relatively small lists. We had, mm-hmm. you know, 80, 90 people register um, within 24 hours of promoting. We had um, about 50, 60% of those turn up. Which first, is awesome. Which we were is, both really happy with that. that which we were thrilled. Rate. That was a sort of 50% sharp rate for a free event, right? You yeah. can't always expect that. And, and 
Um, if you're certainly getting those sorts of numbers, you should be you should be really thrilled if you're getting sort of 20, 30%. I think the other thing, pleasing thing for us is that uh, in terms of the, you know, the conversion event, the, the information that we were delivering actually saw, um, and there's lots of tools out there, you can actually track when people sort of come on and when they leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we saw most of the attendees actually stay on to actually get to our call to action at the end, which was which was fabulous. This is part of your conversion event and you want to look at how can you improve your conversion event each time. So definitely take time to kind of, as we did, Sam, take time to kind of go back and review. Um, I would recommend having someone on the call with you to kind of keep up with the comments because it's very difficult to deliver. That, that was our biggest and, learning, wasn't it? <laughs> and, and track the comments as well. And even doing stuff like, well, you know, trying to then map the comments back to your slide deck. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're using a webinar as a conversion event, you can go straight from, you know, add to buy my product if you want to. You don't necessarily, your, your conversion event might be a landing page with your, you know, with your call to action and your, and your sticker price on it as well. Absolutely. I just want to really break down because we've gone through that very quickly and I think we may have, we may have missed um, a little piece in here is that at the design stage, what we're doing is creating the framework. So who is this person that we're speaking to? What is it that we're trying to teach them? We're coming up with the, the bullet points of what we're trying to teach them. And at this point, that's all we're doing. We're not actually building out the course yet. From that program framework, we're running a conversion event. In our case, it was a webinar in post-COVID or pre-COVID. This could have been, um, you know, it could have been a lunch and learn. It could be a workshop. It could be an intensive. It could be some sort of in-person thing. But right now, we're doing that by webinar. So we're selling this program via the framework that we've put together to see if we've got interest in our product before we build it out. If we get people purchasing our product, then we start to build it out after the purchase. We're not building it out before the purchase. Absolutely. I think the other one there is actually looking at your delivery modality, which is important too. All right. So as you're designing, how are you going to deliver this information? Not just mm-hmm. how are you going to deliver your conversion event, but the thing that you're going to teach as your course, how are you going to deliver that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, is it going to be all pre-recorded? Is it going to be... Um, group workshops is it going to be one-on-one um, you know and and that's important to give some thoughts of as well because that's going to dictate what technology that you might need to connect with your students mm, absolutely I am going to say something here that I've been saying for a couple of years and I think it's even more relevant now than it is before that I think that pre-recorded online workshops are going to really lose their value Uh, because people generally will not go and do an online program and finish it and get really great results. Most people buy online programs, they don't finish them, they get stuck halfway through, they don't get their questions answered. I don't think they're going to have the same amount of value. That's that's the word. They're not going to have the same sort of value um, as they they used to. Yeah, and and I think that's um, demonstrated by some of the statistics that, that both you and I see and, and certainly our listeners will have um, no doubt at some point bought a course and potentially never started. And that's why I gave the example earlier of, the, of that recipe. If you lose people at step one, they never finish. Mm. Um, and, you know, having no method of interaction, you know, can, you can get people really stuck and struggling because they're not going to get the outcome that you want. Absolutely. And it's very easy, I think, to 
focus just on the people who are doing the work and forget about the people who are not. And right? yes. so, you know, if you're using, you know, it's maybe some pre-recorded emails or, or, or videos that are sort of drip fed either via, you know, I think if it's a Kajabi, uh, a Teachable or something like that, or even, you know, emailed into someone's inbox and having a, a Facebook group that people can jump on and ask questions about that, that particular lesson, you're going to answer the questions of the people who are showing up, not for the people who are not showing up. Yeah. And you're going to forget about them. It's very easy to forget about those people who fall, you know, fall out of the program. And that's why uh, online programs have such a poor you know, completion rate, I should say. A 3% completion rate is the what's the industry standard at the moment. So that's 97% of people that aren't completing your online courses. So I'm a big yeah, fan of the hybrid model. I reckon that's 29 people out of every 30. What is it? Well, probably 32 out of every 33 people where you're missing the opportunity for testimonial or referral. Mm. So, um, yeah, big fan of the hybrid model in making sure that you've got different delivery methods for different people, different learners, people that can show up in different ways. Own up, Sam. Have you ever bought a course that you didn't finish Mm -hmm. or start? I don't think I've ever bought a course that I haven't started, but I definitely have courses that I haven't finished. However, I am mostly in that 3%. Um, I bought a course on the weekend. I'm halfway through it already and I've already taken action. Um, on some of the modules that I was learning from. So I, I am I am an action taker. Well, there we go. Something to do with all that sleep we're not having. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I was too busy taking action and didn't get to sleep. <laughs> uh, now, step step three is around building. Uh, yes. Building your course. Okay. This, and this is, is where, where we actually start. Yeah, this is where the thing, I guess, stuff starts to actually happen. This is where the rubber hits the road and things mm. start to look at kind of like really actually coming into fruition and there's two parts to this you know firstly is actually kind of building your your course right? it's mm-hmm. actually what you will deliver so it might be creating slide decks or templates or workbooks. cheat sheets or workbooks or whatever that might be and the second part around that is actually the delivery infrastructure so what method because that's just the content and mm-hmm. any success is really sort of around this thing and so getting the right message in front of the right people at the right time and the right message is your templates and worksheets and, and that sort of stuff. But if we don't deliver that stuff to people at the right time, right, we, we're, bound, we're going to fail as well. And mm. that's where the technology side of things comes in to not only deliver that inf- information to your students at the right time, but also to keep those people in it if they're not necessarily engaging or not opening or not, not doing what you want them to do with that information. Absolutely. So a lot of people ask me about the delivery infrastructure. So, you know, what do I include? And my question back to them is always, well, if this was you, what would you need to be able to get through these challenges? Because once you're looking through the eyes of um, your ideal prospect and usually a past version of you, your, your ideal client is usually a past version of you. What did you need or what did they need at each step of the way? You know, do they need a chance to ask questions in a, in a, you know, a forum like a Facebook group? Do they need sort of live coaching calls at certain parts because they're going to be asking questions? You know, things like coming up with messaging. We know as business people that there's always going to be questions around that. So 
Is there some sort of component that you can add in if you're doing a business course and you need messaging? Is there some sort of recording that people want to watch because they're trying to implement something and they sort of want to see it on the screen and be able to watch as they do it themselves? So just think through the eyes of that ideal client and understand how do they need their course delivered? So what does that infrastructure need to look like to make sure that they're achieving the outcomes that you and they want them to achieve? Yeah, I think it's important here to also recognize that your online course won't be entirely a set and forget. Mm -hmm. The first time you run through it, you will discover things that you need to change to make it better and more consumable for your students for the next time you run it and the next time and the next time and the next time. Important to actually kind of pay attention to the feedback and occasionally take off your delivery hat and put on your account management hat Mm -hmm. and actually reach out to your students as they're going through the program and just check in and saying, okay, we're going to put aside the teaching for a moment. just want to check in and see how you're going with the material. Is it mm-hmm. too much, too little? Where are you at? You know, what are you not understanding? What challenges are you finding with this material? What are you enjoying? Mm-hmm. You know, what's been your biggest revelation so far? And I think that's important as well. Actually, when we're building our stuff, we build out those two streams of communication, one around what we teach as part of our online course, and the second one to, you know, is our course actually delivering the outcomes that we want to for our students. Absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant um, ideas there and can thoroughly recommend them because that feedback can sometimes be not what you're expecting to hear and it can really change your ideas of what you're delivering. I know that there's, I've got um, an eight module, one of my programs is eight modules. And what I noticed the first couple of times that I delivered that is about halfway through people get really bogged down. It gets, it's, it's like they're going up this massive mountain for the first four modules and they're sort of getting right up near the top and they just can't get over it. But once they get over this specific hump, they, you know, the rest of the time they fly down. So what I did was actually added extra weeks where there was nothing to do, where people just caught up in those, in those few weeks in between. So whilst there was eight modules, it usually went over a 10 or 11 weeks because we just had, had to add this piece in the middle where people could catch their breath. And I did that because I was reaching out and saying to people, hey, how are you going? And they were telling me one-on-one, because they were a little bit embarrassed to say it in a group forum, I'm just really struggling with this one bit. And I realized which one bit it was and uh, added some different parts to the, the course in there so that I could help them get over that hump. Yeah, absolutely. Now, last but not least, and maybe the most important, <laughs> is actually launching. All right. And this is where we take our completed program and we actually take it out to market. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now what we want to think about here, and again, this is going to be coming back to some of our foundation is who's this for? What do they need to hear about this thing? Where are they? Um, and we've seen plenty of people build amazing programs and then completely mess up the marketing of it by putting it somewhere where no one finds it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, I think also looking at, you know, how do you entice that first step, right? So what do you need to say to your market about taking that first step? Because the your first step is not buying the course, right? The first step is let's come to, you know, push out to your conversion event. And, and there might even be a step, depending on the, your framework, a step before your conversion event as well. Absolutely. The old adage, builder and they will come, does not apply to online courses. 
just please be aware it just does not apply <laughs> yeah yeah it's not suddenly or what's happening over there just remember just because it's an online course it doesn't exist until someone comes across it absolutely i i remember years and years ago when i was consulting to an e-commerce business i used to say to my clients all the time you need to understand that you imagine that you're building this and it's sitting out in the middle of the Sahara Desert. It does not have people walking past the front door every day. And online courses are exactly the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. So, so let's, let's just go let's, back on those four, the four steps, Tim. Do you want to read um, Yeah, okay. So four, four steps, um, just to re recap on those, right, the foundations, right, so looking at your business objectives, um, where does this thing fit in your overall framework? Unpacking the knowledge that people and unpacking the knowledge that people will actually pay for, not everything that you know. Um, design is all around looking at your program framework, what's your conversion event and what's your delivery modality, how you're going to give this information to people in, in what channels, right? Looking at building both in design in terms of developing your course material, but also looking at your delivery infrastructure, and finally looking at how do you promote that to market now. Um, with Knowledge Business Launch Formula, the, the, me the method that we've gone through to promote to market is both to our lists, um, our partners, and to our social media. But you might have some more available to you as well um, in order to promote it, right? So you potentially could look at advertising and some other strategies as well. Guys, so if you've enjoyed what we've talked about today, um, if you're on it as this episode comes out, the Knowledge Business Launch Formula program is still live. We are closing the shopping cart for that on the first Friday, the 1st of May, Sydney time, um, and launching on the 4th of May uh, for the first intake. That's going to be our first lesson, bright and early Monday morning. Better not sleep in for that one. You'd better not. I'll be <laughs> ringing you saying, get out of bed. <laughs> um, but if you're interested in jumping on the program and, and looking at how you too can um, design, build and launch an online program with 30 days left. We'd love to join us. Jump on over to winmoreclients.com.au forward slash KBLF for Knowledge Business Launch Formula. We'd love to have you. Otherwise, look uh, certainly reach out. If you've got any questions about this, the show notes will be, of course, up in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community. And uh, we'd love to see your questions and comments over there as well. And of course, if you've enjoyed today's episode, um, we'd love a shout out, questions, comments, likes, shares, and so on, on all good uh, podcasting and music channels. Sam, another great week, another great episode. Absolutely. Really enjoyed this. It's a topic that is very topical right now. <laughs> Uh, but next week, we're going to talk about uh, the top five things that we can be doing over the next 90 days to build our authority in our space. And that question was actually sent to us by Anthony Chansamuth over there in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community. So that's what we'll be discussing. And if you've got any ideas of what you would like us to discuss on future episodes and you would like a shout out, then uh, please jump over there into Thought Leaders Business Lab community Facebook group. I'll see you next Thursday. See you next Thursday, Tim. Everyone, thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure to be here in your earbuds for another week. Ciao, ciao.